On November 24, 1971, a man who identified himself as Dan Cooper purchased a $20 ticket for a short 30-minute flight from Portland to Seattle. He had with him a briefcase filled with dynamite and wanted $200,000. After getting his money, the plane took off again. Dan Cooper took the money, jumped out of the plane, and into history. Learn more about D.B. Cooper on this episode of Everything Everywhere Daily. This episode is sponsored by Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. I recently had the chance to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond, and I can attest to its exceptional aromas with hints of caramel and vanilla intertwining with its oakiness, which provide a well-rounded flavor profile. Taking a sip is akin to experiencing a piece of bourbon history firsthand. Heaven Hill Distillery may be America's most quintessential bourbon distillery. Established in 1935 after the end of Prohibition, the distillery was established by the Shapira family and has remained a family-owned distillery to this day. In 1897, Congress passed the Bottled in Bond Act, which set forth strict rules for any bourbon labeled Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond bourbon goes beyond the stringent requirements of the law by aging its bourbon for seven years, not four. The end result is a gold medal-winning bourbon that truly stands out. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. Heaven Hill reminds you, think wisely, drink wisely. This episode is sponsored by ButcherBox. Summer is right around the corner, and that means cookouts. No matter what your preferred food is for a cookout or a barbecue, ButcherBox can help you make it the best. If you want to serve up some hamburgers, ButcherBox has grass-fed ground beef to make the perfect smash burger. Want to cook up some steaks? Well, ButcherBox has that too, with some of the best cuts of steak, such as New York Strip, ribeye, and filet mignon. Do you like grilled chicken? Well, ButcherBox has some of the best pasture-raised chicken that you will find anywhere. And if you really want to wow people at your next cookout, you can try grilling some of their wild-caught salmon on a cedar plank. Sign up at ButcherBox.com daily and get a special deal. ButcherBox is offering my listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com daily and use code daily to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is sponsored by the Travel Photography Academy. In 2007, I sold my home to travel around the world. I bought an expensive camera that I didn't know how to use and took a bunch of terrible photos. Several years, a hundred countries, and tens of thousands of photos later, I'd improved my photography to the point where I was winning national awards, being named Travel Photographer of the Year three times in North America. I created the Travel Photography Academy so you don't have to spend the many years that I did to improve your photography. Even though we can't easily travel right now, you can still work on improving your photography at home and in your own community. Just go to TravelPhotographyAcademy.com or click on the link in the show notes to start improving your photography today. Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305 was a short 30-minute hop between Portland, Oregon and Seattle, Washington. The flight is so short that most people would never bother to actually take the flight, as it would be easier to drive. The airplane was a Boeing 727-100, a detail that will become very important to the story in a bit. A man using the name Dan Cooper purchased a ticket for the flight with cash. He was a middle-aged white male who wore a suit, a black tie, and a white shirt. 
He sat in seat number 18C with a briefcase and an open seat next to him. To put all this in context, flying back in 1971 was a radically different affair than it is today. You didn't have to show identification to check in or buy a ticket. There was no screening or metal detectors prior to boarding the plane as well. As he sat in his seat, he didn't exhibit any abnormal behavior. In fact, he ordered a bourbon and soda while the plane was on the tarmac. Shortly after the plane took off, he handed a handwritten note to the flight attendant, Florence Schaffner. Schaffner, not thinking much of it, put the note in her pocket without reading it. Cooper leaned over and whispered to her, quote, Miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. Cooper asked her to sit down next to him in the empty seat and proceeded to open up his briefcase to show her the eight red cylinders which appeared to be sticks of dynamite, wires, and batteries. He told the flight attendant that he wanted $200,000 in cash, four parachutes, two primary and two reserve, and a fuel truck waiting at the Seattle-Tacoma airport to fuel the plane upon arrival. Another background item you need to know is what the climate was around hijackings at this time. Between 1968 and 1972 was the golden age of hijackings. In the United States alone, there were no less than 130 flights hijacked during this period. Most of the hijackings wanted passage to Cuba, which didn't have an extradition treaty with the United States. The policy of all airlines in 1971 was to comply with hijackers' demands to protect passengers. Cooper's request was taken by the flight attendant to the pilot, who then radioed it to ground control. For two hours, the flight circled over Puget Sound. None of the passengers had any clue what was really happening. They were told by the cockpit that they had to circle for mechanical reasons. While the flight was circling, the CEO of Northwest Orient Airlines approved the $200,000 ransom and arranged for the parachutes and fuel truck to be delivered. The parachutes were delivered from a local skydiving school as Cooper refused military parachutes. The FBI documented and microfilmed all of the $10,020 bills that were given to Cooper. Once the plane got confirmation that the demands would be met, they landed and parked in a distant corner of the tarmac. Cooper ordered all of the windows closed. When the parachutes and money were delivered, he ordered all the passengers and flight attendants, save for one, off of the plane. When they took off, there were only five people on the plane. Cooper, the remaining flight attendant, Tina Mucklau, the pilot, the co-pilot, and the navigator. Cooper's instructions for the pilot were very specific. He wanted the landing gear to remain down, the cabin unpressurized, and for the plane to fly as slow as possible as they flew to Mexico City at 10,000 feet. When the pilot noted that they couldn't make it all the way to Mexico City like that, they agreed to a fuel stop in Reno, Nevada. And it wouldn't really matter. By now it was dark out. At approximately 8 p.m., Cooper ordered the flight attendant to go into the cockpit and close the door. This is where the particular model of the plane becomes important. The Boeing 727 had a unique feature, an aft door. At the very back of the plane, at the tail, there was a door that would open, and a folding staircase would come down. This was because the 727 was designed for use in smaller airports that didn't have a jetway. While the crew was in the cockpit, they experienced a sudden jump in the tail section of the plane, and their sensors indicated that there was a sudden change in pressure. When the flight finally landed in Reno, police and FBI surrounded the plane, but Dan Cooper was nowhere to be found. In addition to the hijacker, two of the parachutes and all of the money was missing. Cooper had jumped out of the plane. What might have been a normal run-of-the-mill hijacking turned into a media sensation. The FBI began questioning everyone and looking for clues. 
They found fingerprints and managed to put together a sketch of the man based on the people who saw him. On the off chance that Cooper had used his real name to buy the ticket, one of the first suspects was a man by the name of D.B. Cooper from Portland. This was leaked to the media, and the name D.B. Cooper stuck, and that is what the hijacker is known as today. However, at no point was that the actual name used to identify himself. There were some unidentified fingerprints that were taken from the plane, but there was shockingly little evidence to go on. There were five planes, including military fighter jets, which followed Flight 305, and none of them saw anyone jump out of the plane. None of the flight crew saw him jump because they were in the cockpit. The spot where he could have jumped covered a very wide area. They didn't have GPS back then. They don't know when the jump occurred and how long he might have dropped before pulling the ripcord. The best guess is that he might have landed somewhere in Washington State near the base of Mount St. Helens. However, it's just a guess. Over the next few months, going into the spring of 1972, the largest search and recovery operation in U.S. history took place. They had teams of police and Army Reserves searching the woods. There were multiple aerial reconnaissance flights. They had boats going up and down rivers, and they contacted everyone with a cabin or a rural address in the area. They found nothing. No body, no parachute, no money, nothing. Over 800 people were identified by the FBI as possible suspects, but none of them panned out. Cooper had simply vanished out the back door of an airplane. In 1972, the FBI released the serial numbers of the bills he was issued, and newspapers offered a reward to anyone who could produce one, but no one did. There have only been a few bits of evidence that have been recovered over the years, and some of them can't actually be attributed to the hijacking. In 1978, a deer hunter in Washington state found instructions for lowering the aft door of a Boeing 727. In 1980, a family camping along the Columbia River just north of Portland discovered three packs of money given to Cooper as ransom. It matched the serial numbers, were still in the same rubber bands, and in the same order. They had decayed somewhat, but they were confirmed to be the originals. In 2017, some amateur researchers claimed to have found some foam from the backpack and possibly part of the parachute straps. There's no confirmation, however, that these were actually used in the hijacking. Years later, the FBI did manage to identify some DNA samples from the tie which Cooper left behind in the plane, but they don't know if the DNA belonged to Cooper. There are many amateur enthusiasts who are still focused on the case. They've come up with several theories, including suspects and the theory that there were accomplices. As time passed, the legend of D.B. Cooper has grown. He became the basis of novels and was used as a plot device in movies and TV shows, as well as songs. The lead character of Twin Peaks was Dale Bartholomew Cooper, a.k.a. D.B. Cooper. He also developed the reputation as a modern-day Robin Hood. He stole $200,000, which has the modern-day value of almost $1.3 million. He didn't hurt anyone, and he got away with it. The D.B. Cooper hijacking ushered in several changes in aviation. It ended the era of zero air security. While there had been many hijackings, the D.B. Cooper case really brought the problem into the spotlight. The Boeing Corporation instituted a small change to the aft doors on their 727 to prevent them from being opened in flight. The new additions were known as the Cooper Vein. Fifty years later, the case of D.B. Cooper has never been solved. In 2016, the FBI announced it was ending any active investigation into the case. It is the only unsolved airplane hijacking in history. Executive producer of Everything Everywhere Daily is James Makala. The associate producer is Thor Thompson. 
Remember to leave a five-star review to get your review read on the show. They can be left at Apple Podcasts, Podcast Republic, or wherever you listen to the show. Also, you can help support the show over at Patreon.com. Patrons can get merchandise like t-shirts and hoodies, as well as having direct access to provide suggestions for future episodes.